This is The Score Podcast. Welcome again to The Score Podcast, where we always speak to the most innovative groundbreakers in the financial services industry. The landscape for how the banking industry is covered by the media has dramatically changed. We still rely on industry trade publications and major news outlets like The Wall Street Journal, but we're also content publishers ourselves. Well, that's good for us, but should we be worried about the business and profitability of the media outlets that cover the financial services industry? Is the digital age passing them by? I'm Jeff Richardson, host of The Score Podcast. Today, we're talking to Rob Blackwell, Chief Content Officer and Head of External Affairs at IntraFi Network, which provides solutions to financial institutions of all sizes to help them build relationships with customers, fund more loans, and seamlessly manage liquidity needs and earn fee income. Rob is also host of the Banking with Interest podcast. And before that, I knew him as the Editor-in-Chief of American Banker the industry stalwart that has reliably been covering banking since like literally the late 1800s. Rob, thanks for joining the podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for asking me, Jeff. So let's start with this question. You, you've been out of, I suppose, traditional journalism for a couple of years now. What do you miss and, and what don't you miss? Oh, so what I miss is easy. I miss what doesn't make it into stories. I mean, one of the best parts about being an editor or a reporter is you get to gather all this information and only a fraction of it really is going to end up in a story. I also miss, honestly, just working with the reporters. I did my own writing and reporting for many years, but I, before I was editor-in-chief even of American Banker, I was the Washington bureau chief. And so I grew used to working with a just incredibly talented set of reporters. And it was always great to help you know, work with them in a cooperative way to sort of, you know, sharpen a story or make it better. And they were doing the bulk of the work and the bulk of the writing. And oftentimes they made my job extremely easy, but it was always great when you can really come in there and really help someone out to sort of sharpen it and make it better. What I don't miss, some of the sort of weird political considerations that get into the media business. When things are busy, you're making choices about what stories are going to make it into the paper, into the website, versus what isn't going to make it in there. When things are not busy, sometimes you are forced to produce things or or you need a certain amount of clicks. And oftentimes the people asking you the question didn't really care what the outcome was. They just wanted something because you know there was some metric they're trying to hit somewhere. So I, I don't miss the sort of weird business elements of it that came about or, or sort of the tricks of the trade where you would, you'd have to put out something because that day you needed a certain amount of articles just to hit a quota that somebody had decided was necessary. Right. And the first part of your answer makes me wonder what you know about the credit scoring industry that, that maybe I don't know that you know. That's the best position to be in. And I, I do think, especially when you're editor-in-chief, is you, you get to learn everyone's sources and you know literally where information is coming from and what it is that you almost could report if you were able to get confirmation somewhere. And every so often you get lucky and you're able to record it and you get a great scoop that gets out in front of people. But more often than not, you're, you're not going to be able to get that. It is always fun to be in the know of sort of what it is that isn't making it into the stories. There's nothing specific that leaps to mind about credit scoring that I can think of. I'm sure I knew something at some point that would have gotten me into trouble. <laughs> well, then we'll change the subject. So you were one of the first to, to really launch, at, that I can recall, a successful financial services podcast that kind of stemmed from a company or a business. So are media outlets that actually cover the banking industry keeping pace with the movement towards digital that's allowing companies like Interfi and VantageScore, I suppose, to publish and promote their own content? 
I think it's a great question and a really good place to look at the media landscape. I think on the one hand, we can do a good job of bringing in thought leaders and hosting them on a podcast and even having controversial people appear on a show and really make some news. But I'd be lying if I said that I think it's a replacement for traditional media, if that's what you want to think. I think where we have an advantage is my company isn't worried about those metrics I was citing earlier. You know, they want people to listen to the podcast. And as long as that's happening and as long as it's growing, they're pretty happy. But they're not a media organization. This is something they're they're doing to be part of the conversation around the broader community. And I assume that's you know the same reason you're doing this. Where I would say we would have a disadvantage, Jeff, no one at this company ever asked me that I couldn't touch a topic or that I could, or nobody's ever played any of that kind of game. So I'm free to do whatever it is I want to, but let's be honest, I'm no longer a journalist. And so there are, I'm sure, situations in which you would like to tackle a topic that just for various reasons just doesn't fit with who you're working for. And and that's the same for me. I would say there's a fantastic opportunity for companies to come out and try and tell credible stories, but there are limits to how far one could take that. And you really need a media, strong media that doesn't have those limitations, that isn't worried about who they're going to tick off or, or make angry as long as the story is true. So let's talk a little bit about the banking industry, of which Intrify is a leader in. I saw that you guys have been surveying bank executives. So what are the banking executives saying about the economy and likelihood of a recession? Intrify started doing these surveys well well before I got here. And they were always good about getting 400, 500 community bankers to talk about controversial issues or or just their take on economic outlook. This latest one, we asked them when they saw a recession coming. And just remarkably, a staggering 96% of community bank leaders said there would be a recession in the next 18 months. And the only thing that divided them, and it divided them evenly, 48% to 48%, was when it was going to be. So half of them said it would be this year, half of them said it would be next year. They're pessimistic. They're very worried. They have, I think, most markedly lost faith in the Fed. Again, I've now been handling the service for two and a half years. Most of the time when you ask a question, bankers are going to show deference to the Fed, at least when it comes to monetary policy, maybe not when it comes to regulation. And that deference is not really there anymore. There's no evidence of it. You know, 62% said that they think the Fed is overcorrecting. And that's 10 percentage points higher than the last time we asked the question, which was three months earlier. So my point being that this is a group that's very deferential to the Fed, usually trust the Fed, no longer trust the Fed. And that's a worrying sign in and of itself. Uh, Yeah, that uniformity is that popped out to me, too. Let's talk a little bit about competition. Certainly when you were editor in chief at American Banker, there was a number of stories, if my memory serves me correctly, about the shrinking number of community banks. So how, how are community banks doing? Is there still a shrinking number of them? How can they be more effective in the way they compete with the likes of the Chases and the Wells Fargo's? On the one hand, the pace of consolidation continues. There are a lot of banks that are getting out of the business. Nobody's failing these days, so they're always being merged or being acquired. And that is something that is continuing and I think will absolutely keep happening in the future. And and I think most of the people I talk to say that that's, you know, consolidation is now here for various reasons. The second part is 
I do see a lot of hope and opportunity for community banks. I've been very impressed. One of the things I love to do on the show is just go and talk to CEOs of banks that are doing interesting stuff. And when you do that, you come away with a lot of hope because you can find all sorts of small banks really doing some some cutting edge stuff. So I think as long, and I would be loath to give any community banker advice on anything having to do with their business. I mean, if they wanted to know more about the regulatory and legislative landscape, I could help them. But in terms of what they should be doing, I, I leave that to them. But I would say there are all these inspiring examples of community banks doing these innovative things and not just sitting behind and being like, oh, well, you know, the Amazonas of the world will take over. These people are are actively looking at making the digital experience better and making the mobile banking experience better and what they can do. And they're not satisfied with the answer that, well, just because I'm small doesn't mean I can do that. And I think you're seeing these banks prove again and again that because they're small does mean they, they can do this and they can be more nimble than a lot of the bigger banks. Well, at at a minimum, what they could be doing is listening to your podcast to see what their peers are up to. (laughs) I missed a good opportunity for (laughs) self-promotion. So last question, and it's a bit of a fun one. A not-so-secret fun fact about Rob is that he is also a prolific author of novels, urban fantasy, mystery, and suspense books. And I'm going to try to ask a question that weaves banking into that because it's it's such a, an interesting part of your routine. So does your subject matter expertise in banking ever find its way into your books? And then just broadly, I know you have a couple of series. What What's your most recent series focused on and what's next? I would say that the expertise when it comes to banking does not get used much in my novels. And when I started writing them, it was very much as a way to sort of get away from all that and give myself a headspace of writing about something that wasn't banking. Where the expertise comes in, and it's a through line, is the journalism aspect to it. So the first three books I released, you know, the first one is set entirely at a paper, a very small paper, very much like the one that I originally started out at. But I've found that I still have a hard time getting away from that. Obviously, because I go into the sort of urban fantasy, you know, Stranger Things type realm, they deviate, but it's hard for me not to come back. So that leads us very smoothly to my next novel, which is I'm not doing a fantasy novel. It's a straight up mystery thriller. And that I did borrow heavily again from the journalism aspect. I have the, the, the main character becomes a journalist in the novel and, and working for a small community paper, in, in this case in, in Arlington. And I based it on a paper that I that I know of, but have never worked there. So I have that aspect as part of the mystery thriller sort of woven in. So I would say that my knowledge of journalism plays a big role in the writing of the books. I've read, I think, a couple of your books, Rob, actually, and enjoyed them both. For the novels, where do they go to to check out the overview and to purchase them? So you can find it at Amazon. A couple of them are actually published by Amazon, so they're, they're there exclusively. But if you just type in my name, Rob Blackwell, on Amazon, it'll it'll all come up. Well, let's end it there, Rob. Appreciate your time today, and I'm looking forward to reading your next book and listening to the Banking with Interest podcast. You can check it out on www.intrify.com. Rob, really appreciate your time today. Jeff, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Industry executives, regulators, and all sorts of stakeholders have relied on industry media outlets that historically informed us about what our competitors were doing, different types of market intelligence, and economic news. But it's become harder and harder for those media outlets to compete when podcasts, blogs, and social media allow banks and fintechs to publish and promote their own content. The future of banking media is rather mysterious. 
just like Rob's novels. I'm Jeff Richardson. Thanks for listening to The Score Podcast. I look forward to our next discussion. The views and opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of VantageScore Solutions. Visit VantageScore.com to learn more. Thank you.